What normally comes to mind? Does someone specifically come to mind a person, a parent, a grandparent, a friend, a teacher, hype leader? For me, it's my dad. I trust my dad. If I ever need help in any area, whenever, I know if I call him, he's going to help me. He's going to give me advice. I trust him. It can be a thing. People can trust their vehicles to get from point A to point B. People can trust food to satisfy them. I have a major sweet tooth, and too many times have I trusted candy to satisfy my sweet tooth. You can trust a chair when you sit down that it's going to hold you and not collapse. You can trust those things. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines trust as a belief that someone or something is reliable, good, honest, and effective. Now, how does this relate to our current series, Crucial Questions? Last week, we had a crucial question called, does prayer change things? This week, we have this question that's really crucial. Can I trust the Bible? Do I believe that the Bible is reliable, good, honest, truthful, and effective? Is it real? Can you trust the Bible? This issue of if one can trust the Bible or not is crucial in this way. It's crucial because through the Bible, the church has claimed what is truth of faith and life, starting from God's creation through the significance of life and death, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And if the Bible's not true or trustworthy on these things, then Christians have no evidence for what they believe in versus what other re religions believe in. In order to figure this out, we first must understand what the Bible is. And understanding what the Bible is, there's... Uh, the Bible, what we would call special revelation. There's two kinds of revelation. You have general revelation and you have special revelation. General revelation, if you were here this morning, we talked about it a little bit. General revelation is God revealing himself through nature and conscience, meaning through what God has made and through the morals that he instills in humans. Special revelation, on the other hand, is God's disclosed plan for redemption, what we would call the Bible. Now, why is this special revelation not general revelation? This is special because this is how God chooses to reveal his love for humanity through things that cannot be learned out by just walking outside. You can't learn about Christ's death and resurrection by just walking outside. Those are things that have to be told. Those are things that are given to people. Those are things given to the prophets, through the apostles, to Christ to share with us. Shared with us in a special way. That's why this concept is called special revelation. So this Bible, this Bible is given to you, to me, to humanity, so we can know who God is. Sproul, the author of this book that we're going through, the Crucial Questions book, emphasizes that a crucial concept in understanding the revelation 
we, we get from God is that it is received. Second Peter 1.21 says this. I'm going to actually start in 20. So 1.20 says this. Above all, you know this, no prophecy or scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We see here that God's word is first received through prophets. Now, if I'm a skeptic to Christianity, my next question after realizing that prophets originally were the first ones to start writing the Bible. This is what we call the Old Testament. My first question is, how do you know that a prophet is, is real? How can I know that I can trust the person that's writing this book that I'm calling trustworthy? Now, there's three things that proved a, a prophet or a person to be a true prophet instead of a false prophet. These, you have three tests to determine if this prophet had true divine revela- revelation. The first test was a divine call, which is why the prophets were zealous to show that they had been called directly by God. We see the, we see the examples of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and um, the major prophets in the Old Testament. The second test is if a prophet is true, um, if a prophet is a true prophet, they perform miracles. We see Elijah when fire comes down from heaven and, and consumes the sacrifice on the altar of Baal in 1 Kings 18. We see miraculous things happen when Elijah also brings someone back from the dead. We see other miracles in Moses. Moses was a prophet. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. These things are documented. We know that these are true prophets. The third test of a true prophet was if what they said comes true. So I'm currently reading through the Bible, and I just got done with Daniel, and studying Daniel, Daniel has some end-time prophecies. Prophecies that are fulfilled by the Romans later on after Jesus is, was, was uh, resurrected and ascended into heaven. You have these prophecies that are fulfilled, prophecies that Daniel said that were going to happen that were like 400 years in advance. And guess what? They came true. Another sign, another test, if you know that a prophet is real. So we have this kind of basis for truth in this Old Testament of when we would ask the question, can I trust the Bible? Can I know it's real? Is it, instead of, is it just some fake thing that someone just wrote and made up? No, we have, we have evidence of these prophets actually making these prophecies way before this happened. And we have evidence and docu- documentation of the miracles that they've done. That's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? New Testament was primarily written by apostles. Now, how do you know that these people actually were inspired by God? Again, you ask the same question of the Old Testament prophets, New Testament apostles. How do we know that they were really given a call by God? How can we trust the New Testament as much as we trust the Old Testament? This is the problem that the Jews have, right? The Jews only have the Old Testament. They really don't have a New Testament. They only believe in the prophets, not the apostles, so, so why should we believe in the apostles and the New Testament writings? Well, one, a chief mark of being an apostle is that he received a direct call from Christ. So if we believe Christ, we should believe the ones that directly affected or directly affected by Christ. So we think of the 12 disciples, which after Christ was resurrected became the 12 apostles. 
So we have those, and plus Paul, who was directly divine called by Jesus through um, his encounter on the road to Damascus. We have these people that are directly affected by Christ, called by Christ, lived with Christ, and that these are the ones that wrote the New Testament. And this gives us reason to believe these words, those who lived, were taught by Jesus himself. And then we come to Christ, because we have Christ's uh, uh, sayings, we have Christ's uh, words documented in the New Testament, we call those the Gospels, and some in Acts. So if we have a Bible that has red letters in them, we always denote those to be the words of Christ. And knowing that the resurrection is such a historical event and is the basis for Christianity because without the resurrection, who can believe Jesus? Because if Jesus didn't rise again, then all of the stuff that he said was kind of bogus. But we know that Christ rose. We know that he lives with God the Father in heaven and is at the right hand interceding for us. And we know those letters that he said in the Bible, those, those red letters that we, that we read, we know that those came directly from Jesus. So we have a reliable source for the Old Testament and New Testament. Now the next question is, is okay, I'm, I'm, we have solid evidence for the writers. My next thought process is, okay, what do we do now? What, what do we do with this truth that we have uh, these authors that are credible that wrote the Bible? How do I go about reading the scripture? And how does it affect my life? What's this next step? Well, in this book, Can I Trust the Bible? Sproul suggests that you live out Scripture with Scripture alone. That you believe in Scripture alone. That you don't put any traditions on above Scripture. So what does this look like? So, for example, we have certain, denomin- there's certain denominations, there's certain sects of religious people and in the world today that have a lot of traditions, right? Sometimes those traditions are so strict or there's so much tradition that they forget what the Bible says or they're so focused on tradition and keeping traditions that they lose sight of the gospel. They lose sight of God's saving grace through Jesus Christ. Sproul would suggest that you live by Scripture alone, That scripture alone is the authority and is the ultimate head of the Christian. And God exercised his authority through human authors to write this authority to us. And we see this in 2 Timothy 3.16. that says, all scriptures breathe out by God. So not only is this just a book, not only is this a story, because it's not just a book and it's not just a story, but it's something that we should live our lives by. So if it's something that we should live our lives by, we should first know what it says, right? How do do I know how to live something out unless I've been told how to live it out? It's like this. Teacher gives you a test, first day of school, worth 30% of your grade. Good or bad news? It's bad news. Why? You haven't been taught anything yet but you're trying to answer questions that you don't even know. You weren't even given any information to study for this test. Now take this and think about this situation. You have a test. 
is given to you at the end of the year, and it's worth the same amount, 30% of your grade. But you have the entire material needed for this test. So you know what's going to be on this test, right? You should be ready for this. It's a significant part of your grade. It should be very important to you, and you should have studied very, very hard for this. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the Bible in this way. We know exactly what God commands. We know exactly what He wants us to do. We have the material in front of us. And it's not just worth 30%. This is worth your entire life's worth. Because if you don't obey this, if you don't obey the gospel, if you don't accept Christ as your Savior, you have no excuse. We were talking about missions this morning, and we were talking about the nations who don't even have the Bible in their language. We are very fortunate and blessed to have abundance, not just one version of the Bible in our language, but multiple versions. So if you're a student, they have a student Bible. If you're like a, a preschooler, they have a little kid's Bible that is very simple to read. If you want to get more in depth into the integrated like, languages, they have like a biblical languages Bible, the, uh, a Greek word study Bible. They have so many kinds of Bibles in the English language available to you. You have the material that you need so you can apply it and obey God. Now, the last couple truths that I want to talk about the Bible so you can answer, can I trust the Bible? There's this big word called infallibility and inerrancy. So what does this mean? Infallibility means that it cannot fail. That which cannot fail. It means that something is incapable of making a mistake. So we have some people in the world today that believe the Bible. They're like, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I like the story of Jesus. But I don't know if I can say that everything in the Bible is true. I like this part of the Bible. I don't like this part. We see this in the culture when talking about topics of homosexuality. With a lot of people to say, yeah, I believe in God, but, I don't be- but the parts in the Bible that talk about homosexuality and it being wrong is, that's, that was a culture ago, like that doesn't affect today, that's not relevant to what I'm going through. Or we have people that um, justify themselves by stealing, by cheating. And they're like, yeah, I like the general story of the Bible, but there's some things, you know, that just make me uncomfortable and, and I don't want to talk about those things. I don't think those, those don't fit my view of who God is. Here's the thing. The entire Bible is without error and has no mistake and cannot fail, which means it is true and does not contradict. It cannot fail and has no error. Why? Because it's given by God. If you're saying that this is fit, this is this is having an opportunity to fail. You're saying God fails. But let's say you don't believe that God writes all the words in the Bible, then how can you write the, believe that God writes any words in the Bible? But then we've got to go back to what we first talked about is the credibility of the prophets and the apostles and of Jesus Christ, who himself said words that are recorded 
in the Bible. So you have to trust. Can you, can you trust the Bible? I would say yes. No. I know we can get into way more details of facts of why the Bible is reliable. And there's so many out there. I come from the standpoint that the Bible is absolutely true. That there's no error. There's no contradictions. I believe that the Bible is 100 absolutely true. Because if I didn't, I'd be going against fact and evidence. I would be going against all logic, what talks about all the reasonings of, for Christ existing. It wouldn't fit. If you take anything away from this short study of the Bible, I hope you understand at least this. That this book, this Bible that is made of, of 66 different books, has different authors spanning over thousands of years, does not contradict itself once. It completely reveals who God is. And it is enough to show you the way to salvation, the way to know God. And it shows you the character and the personality of who God is and how much He is willing to go to love you. But I would, I would question this, though. I would ask this final question. Because the real question isn't really, can I trust the Bible? There's overwhelming evidence for this. Overwhelming evidence that, yes, the Bible is true, the Bible is reliable, and that you can trust it, that it is historically accurate, that it is factually accurate. Yes, 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 and amen. The real question tonight is, will you trust the Bible? Because there's a difference in knowing the Bible and living out the Bible. There's a difference between the 18-inch drop of your head that you know the knowledge of what the Bible says and you know that it can be true and reliable and the 18-inch drop to your heart and that you actually trust it and that you live it out. So the question that I present to you that's a crucial question is not can I trust the Bible or can you trust the Bible, it's will you trust the Bible? Because knowing these truths knowing that this is the only way to eternal life, knowing that this is the only way to know God intimately, to, to know and to be saved by Jesus, why wouldn't you read your Bible? If this book holds all truth to life, then why do most of you probably never open up your Bible at home? This means that most of you have the answers for life and know where to find it, but you refuse to use it because you, can, you think you can live without it. You have the tools necessary in front of you. You have the knowledge of where to go and what to read to have eternal life, to have joy in this life, to have a relationship with Jesus but you refuse to use it. It's like this. Last night, Amber and I were driving home. I was in my dad's truck. It was snowy. It was icy. The roads were bad. 
My dad's truck's four-wheel drive. I had the tools. I knew that I should be driving slow. I had the knowledge of how to drive in snowy weather. I've taken driver's ed. I've had eight years experience of driving, nine years experience of driving. I had this knowledge, but yet why? When leaving, after, after doing wedding planning and wedding invitations, why after leaving Amber's parents' house, going home, did I choose not to put it in two-wheel drive? Did I choose to go faster than what some of the cars around me were going? Because I thought I didn't need it. I saw the roads. Roads didn't look that bad. They looked fairly clear. I was pretty confident of my driving ability. Until I felt the ice that I couldn't see. We call that black ice. Yeah. Fishtailed. Corrected it. Fishtailed the other way. Corrected it. Fishtailed the other way. Overcorrected. Spun out into the median. Missed a guardrail by about a, about a foot and a half. We were okay. Truck's fine. No damage. But you know what it made me realize? I need four-wheel drive. Yeah. It made me think back, slow down, and realize, hey, I could have put myself in a better position. I had the tools. I had the knowledge. I had what I needed. And in my mind, I think that accident was totally preventable. But I think God allowed me to learn a lesson to humble me, to not trust my own ability, but to trust him. Like last night, people, we have the answer. We have what you need. Are you going to use it? Are you going to try to do life by yourself? You're going to try to do it what you think is best. Because let me tell you this, eventually you're going to hit a patch of life that you're not going to be able to notice. It's going to be well hidden, and you're going to spin out. And last night, you're going to need a tow truck, a spiritual tow truck. You're going to need God to lift you up. And sometimes it's what it takes. Sometimes it's what it takes for us to notice what God is doing in our life. Sometimes God needs to grab a hold of our attention in a pretty dramatic way. But I would beg you, I would implore you to don't wait for the spin out. Acknowledge that tonight. Acknowledge that you need him and acknowledge that acknowledge that you desperately have to have a relationship with him in order to be saved in order to enjoy life, in order to be with him for eternity. You have the tools. You have the knowledge. The big question is not can I trust the Bible, but will you? Because it's when you start saying yes to yes, I will trust the Bible, we have truths like Philippians 4.19 says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. We have scripture that says, but God has plans for you to prosper, to grow for your good. 
For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for you so that you would have eternal life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we're a believer and we're using these tools and these skills, we can rely on them. They're reliable. They're trustworthy. You can trust them, students. No matter what stage of life you're in, you can trust them. And so I pray that when moving from tonight, you realize a couple things. One, the Bible is trustworthy. That it's not just a hoax. That there's factual evidence. There's logical reasoning for trusting this as God's very word to humanity, revealing who he is to you. And two, I pray that you would read it. This love letter, this redemption letter that God has written to you, to humanity, to show how he loves you. His story of creation and redemption. I pray that you would read it. And if you're someone in the audience who doesn't have a Bible, I have plenty extra, please. I will gladly give you one. And if you're reading the Bible and you hit Leviticus and you're saying, gosh dang it, this is really confusing. I don't understand a lick of it. Come ask us. There's materials out there to help you understand. I will be the first to admit, Leviticus is really hard to understand. But I think it's beautiful once you understand it. Don't, don't let these excuses that the devil feeds you from reading your Bible, from reading God's very word to you. I look at it as this. When Amber and I were long distance, we would write letters. And I would, I, when I would see that she had written me a letter and I'd grab it in the mailbox, man, I couldn't wait to open up that letter and read it. And not only would I read it once, I'd read it twice, sometimes a third time. And not only would I read it, but I would smell it because sometimes, sometimes she sprayed it with that perfume that, man, that smells really good. I had this anticipation every time that I saw Amber Panic on an envelope that she sent me another one, and I can't wait to write back to her. There's this level of excitement when reading about learning about who she is and her personality and learning of what her feelings are towards me. Why don't we have the same attitude about that, like that, with the Bible? There's one thing that God really convicted me this past year is I never really made a serious habit of reading God's love letter to me. Nor was I really excited about reading it. It looked daunting. Look how thick this is. It's a daunting thing when you look at this huge book, and you're like, where do I even start? How do I read it? What if I don't understand it? And that's just excuses that the devil feeds you from opening up this amazing love letter 
that God has written to you. If there's anything I, I ask you to do is go home, open it. See for yourself the God of the universe. See for yourself the God who loves you, who wants to know you, already knows you, the God who wants you to know him. See for yourself, I ask you. I'm going to pray, and then after I pray, we're going to finish with the song. I want you to stand with this song. But first, I just want to close this in prayer. Father God, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for just all the students who have chosen to be gathered here tonight that um, come here to hang out with other students, God, to learn more about who you are and how you love us. God, thank you for your, your word, the Bible, the book that you have written us so we can actually know who the creator of the universe is, who the savior of the world is, God, who our own personal savior is. God, thank you for just being patient with us when we don't spend the time that we ought to with you. God, when we fail to just communicate with you. God, when we fail to just serve you and obey you in our everyday lives. God, forgive us. God, I just pray as we go throughout this evening and as we go through this week, God, that we would turn to you, that we would trust you, God, because you are trustworthy. God, I pray that we would communicate to you. I pray we would read your love letter to us and that we would trust it. God, and ultimately, I pray that we would trust you with our lives and with our souls. God, I thank you. God, I love you. God, we serve you as hype ministry. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.